Hey. Hi. Do you think we need a theme song? Sure. Why not? Pause it for me. Nice. Welcome. Did you just come up with that? Uh, did it sound like I did? I spent all night writing that. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's your theme song? Pause it for me. Pause it for me. Pause it for me. Oh, that's way better. Hmm. Um, welcome everybody. We're sad today. Yeah, so sad. Why don't you tell the viewers, I mean listeners or viewers if you're on YouTube, what we're sad about? Um, we are sad that we are not eating a charcuterie board at the moment. <laughs> okay, I was going to say we're sad because it snowed, but... Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I sneezed and fall went by. Like, yeah. It was summer and then I was like, uh, and then fall started and I was like, two. And then it was winter. Well, fall in Canada is irrelevant. Almost non-existent. It's like super, super warm. Like literally it was like pretty warm out a couple weeks ago. And then it just started snowing all of a sudden. Yeah. So we got to put up our fall decorations, our harvest decorations at the end of summer when there's still like two or three weeks left and then keep them up well into winter so that the fall feels longer. We still have a pumpkin that we never ended up carving. Well, we missed the opportunity on that, I think. Yeah, make it into pumpkin pasties or well, something. Well, we like could that. carve Santa. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's an idea. Yeah. So, this week we are starting our um, what's probably going to end up being a little bit broken up uh, international film marathon. Uh, mm-hmm. We watched a couple Korean films. The reason I say it's probably going to be partially broken up is because. Christmas is just around the corner and we're going to have to interrupt our international movie marathon to watch a couple of crappy Christmas movies. Unless, of course, we find some international Christmas movies. But uh, I'm not opposed to that. I'm sure there's some good ones. Let's Well, let's find them then. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I didn't want to compromise um, any of our uh, international marathons by trying to shove in a Christmas movie. And, mm-hmm. and I preferred to veer towards things, you know, movies that were considered classics or modern classics or just mm-hmm. just considered pretty darn good for sure i picked out my french films already mm-hmm. and maybe we'll be able to get to that when we record in january perhaps yeah because i'm sure it'll be more like christmas content or like more lazy content like casual documentaries or something for a while yeah give me that nice lazy core yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh both movies that we watched today i picked them uh but they were recommended by faraz who was on a previous episode of the podcast mm-hmm. we watched decision to leave which just came out we saw it in theaters uh the new film by park chan wook director of old boy the handmaiden and many others mm-hmm. and we watched memories of murder directed mm-hmm. by bong joon ho director mm-hmm. of parasite, parasite. yeah yeah So just a quick rundown of our experience thus far with Korean films. It's not extensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, the films that I mentioned are the films that I've seen. I saw Old Boy. I showed Old Boy to you. I've seen The Handmaiden. You haven't seen it. Um, And uh, we both watched Parasite in theaters when it came out. So we have some experience with these directors. Yeah. But yeah, (laughs) we can count on like one hand. All of the films from that country we've seen. This is just the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, Faraz gave some recommendations of uh, Korean films. He also recommended Burning. Uh, Well, he sort of half recommended Burning. He said he really loved it. And my brother also loved it. 
which to me is two very good indications that I would not like it <laughs> because they know. like a lot. He said it was very, very slow. He said, uh, after you watch it, you feel like you've experienced something. Well, and I'm like, I'm down for that. But as long as it's good. I mean, you liked Magnolia. I wasn't that hot on Man- Magnolia, but that was kind of a slow burn, that film. Well, Patrick, my brother, hated Magnolia, which makes oh. perfect sense as to why I would love it. So there's that. That's true. Um, by the way, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on Magnolia and other um, Paul Thomas Anderson films, you can go check out Carl and Gabe Go to the Movies. I guess start on there and we talked about Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, I wasn't on that episode, but I watched most of those movies with you. So yeah. it's a good deep dive for me into Paul Thomas Anderson. For sure. Yeah. And so I I enjoyed Old Boy a lot mm-hmm. um, and I enjoyed parts of The Handmaiden. Um, other parts I felt kind of overshadowed how good the plot was. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both really enjoyed Parasite. So I was, e- oh, yeah. I was eager to see um, more films by these directors. I almost picked Okja. Um, also, <laughs> That's tempting. Also Very by tempting. Bong Joon-ho, I believe. Yeah. But um, what I read was that much of that movie is in English. And I didn't, I didn't want to compromise, again, the international movie marathon by picking things that were, that were too Americanized. You know, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so I thought we'd go with uh, you know two full Korean language films, and one one was brand new, and that was just good mm-hmm. timing, as far as I'm concerned. I I liked your second choice, Memories of Murder, because I think it paired well with Decision to Leave in terms of themes. Mm, right. I don't know if that was intentional or just sounded uh, interesting. Not really, actually. The reason why I picked Memories of Murder is because. Um, some of the other films that, uh, I saw among lists of like top Korean films were just a bit more on the grisly side <laughs> compared to this, compared to this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, um, and I was, I was trying to pick something that wouldn't weigh it down too much. Um, whereas this, it definitely has some grisly aspects to it. Memories of murder I'm talking about. But it, it there are a couple sort of like actiony scenes. There's a couple foot chases, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too graphic. Um, it's more like a crime show. Like I kept on thinking about True, True Detective. Detective. Yeah. yeah, it's similar. I have no doubt that this was a huge inspiration on True Detective. Yeah. Um. So I guess I'll intro both movies, and we can kind of talk about them both at the same time. So uh, we watched Decision to Leave first. Um. Saw it in theaters. Nice experience. I think the theater was pretty empty. There was a handful of people. Yeah. Um, couple oldsters in there who I was I was like, I oh, mean, good for I you. I hope you enjoy it. Much informed film. Um, so Decision to Leave came out this year. Um, it is about I didn't write it down. <laughs> I forgot. Well, I forgot to write it down. Give give me your take on it what what do you think it was about (laughs) okay um it was about a man investigating a murder a potential murder who ends up falling in love with sort of the prime suspect and who ends up well i'm not not gonna give it away but the the prime suspect yeah i i would say that's fairly accurate there's (laughs) there's some twists and turns but that's that's the initial that's the baseline yeah yeah and then, uh, yeah, we'll kind of dart back and forth between Decision to Leave and because Memories of similar. Murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Memories of Murder logline, I am uh, sort of reading a partially censored version of the logline just because just I don't want to upset too many potential listeners by by the wording. 
Um, uh, sure, yeah. You can keep it a little bit vague. Yeah. So an unprecedented spate. I don't know what spate means. No, never I've, heard that I've never word heard of that word either. Let's okay. I gotta stop veering off track here. An unprecedented spate of brutal <laughs> homicides shakes a once peaceful, close-knit community in nineteen eighty-six South Korea. Two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Well, it said two thousand two in the copyright, but well, what happened word. was I pasted the title of the movie and the year, and then I accidentally hit backspace one too many times, and then I was like two thousand and hmm, what was it? Uh, three. I don't. Whatever. So. Ah, I see. <laughs> it's probably two thousand and two. Yeah, because the co- well, in when it jumps into the future of the film, which is the same thing that True Detective did, by the way. Yeah, it's it's almost a page for page rewrite. No, I'm just kidding. But it's pretty close, it's, actually. It's a very um, it's as if they were doing. I don't think they use this as a reference. Like I don't think they like set it in the credits, like based on this. But I could be wrong. Okay. Um, it it heavily is influenced by this. It's similar in a lot of ways, but. Like on a macro story telling level, but like the micro story is definitely different. Right. Like the episode to episode and that kind of stuff. Between this and True Detective, you're saying. But the overall plot is similar-ish where it's like they're trying to, like there's a long running murder case. Yeah. So let's talk about the plots of these movies first. I will come right out the gate and say that I liked the plot of Memories of Murder because I could follow it. <laughs> decision to leave, I was pretty, like I followed what was going on generally, but what I didn't understand was like some of the reasoning for the characters. Um, I think there's some cultural differences too that we're not aware of. I'll, I'll, I'll say this much. It's one of those movies that I came out of and I'm like, I feel like a person smarter than me would have understood this plot. Maybe I'm just too dumb for it. Okay, well, is there things you don't understand that maybe I can elaborate on based on my take of it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I was following the progression of events, but I was just kind of like, why are certain things happening? Why are these characters making these decisions? You know, like I didn't, Yeah. I, I didn't understand some of the characters' motivations. Okay, which character? Like the female lead, like why she moved back, like why she, yeah, why she moved to where the male lead was then living and then why she killed herself and, well, spoilers, (laughs) killed herself, but. Okay, so here is my take on it. Yeah, I obviously don't, I'm not familiar with like the full cultural context because I don't know like that kind of history, but she's Chinese. Like she says, like she doesn't speak Korean very well. Yep. So there's a bit of a language barrier in some areas. Mm-hmm. And she came over on a boat and smuggled herself in because I think life was bad for her in China. Okay. And then she married like an immigration officer because. Like, he let her into the country, I guess. And, like, he, you know, it was better than living in China, I guess, even though he was abusive, I guess. Sure. Um, you also have a better memory for the plot than I do. Like, we saw we saw this about a week ago, and most <laughs> of it has left my mind. <laughs> yeah, and the only reason we didn't record the podcast right away is because it just took us a while to get around to our second Korean pick. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, this is just based on my memory, but... 
to me, it was like she maybe felt like trapped in the marriage and like she couldn't get divorced because maybe she would get deported or like he would like try to kill her because he's abusive or something. You're talking about her first marriage. Yes. Sure. Like most of my questions had to do with the second half of the movie, I would say. It was a little bit of a twist. It was like sort of like if like I felt like the movie could have ended after the first one. Yeah. And I thought it was. It was a really long movie. But I thought it was ending too. The second half was interesting. I feel like maybe the true motives and true nature of the female character become more apparent in the second half. Okay. So basically what happened is the female character is married to like this shady stockbroker guy Mm -hmm. who has made some bad deals, like owes money to people. And this guy came by that was mad at her husband and was like beating her up and was like, don't, don't visit her. Like, don't visit my mom in the hospital because I know you're like an angel of death and you like to kill old people. <laughs> okay. And she's like, he's like, it's if, you, back if you kill my mom, I'm going to kill your husband. And she's like, right. good. I want my husband killed. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to like kill your mom. And like, I don't, she, she came to his town because she wanted to be with this man that she couldn't be with. And she figured if she was in the same town as him and she was an invest, like she was a suspect in another case of his, some, something in her convoluted mind was like, oh, we can be together again or something like, I want to be a suspect. I want you to be like, I want my picture to be on your suspect wall. I want you to think about me all the time. Like it was kind of like a sick relationship. It kind of reminds me a bit of Phantom Thread and that Mm -hmm. the way that that story kind of ends is that they feel like they can most be together when they're exploring sort of some dark areas. Yeah, that was at least a little more like, a comedic, cheerful end, even though it was dark. It was like, ooh, like they love each other. That's interesting. Yeah. But this was like, <laughs> right? She was like, she clearly is kind of like. Uh, I guess it, not that clearly. <laughs> well, what I'm gonna say is not gonna make sense to you. Like a Tumblr girl kind of thing. It's sort of like an angsty girl that thinks like killing herself is dreamy or romantic. Like, she kept mm. on listening to that last message of him, like, describing to her, like, how he figured it out the first time. Right. It was like, I love you. And she's like, I kept that message because, you know, I love you. Or, like, I wanted to hear I love you. I love you over and over again. And then mm. he said, like, throw the throw the evidence into the sea. And she, like, was like, oh, I'm going to throw myself into the sea. And it's going to be really romantic. I'm going to, like, be drunk. <laughs> be drowned by like the waves coming in and stuff like that okay i mean when you explain it like that i guess it makes sense but in the heat of the moment like in the movie i'm kind of like why is this happening i well i mean why why indeed why yeah why anything i don't know why did she you know i don't understand i mean she probably felt like like the police officer guy broke it off with her sort of because like he found out like what she was doing and after the first half at the end of the first half yeah so she felt like she had to marry the other guy because it was her decision to leave him like it was like it gave her a reason to stay away or something okay but then they moved to the town that 
because she couldn't stay away because she's psychotic. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It, I understood the first half enough. It's like a guy is investigating a murder. He falls in love with the prime suspect. He realizes that she did it, and then he's like, "Well, I love you, so I want to cover this up so that you can escape or whatever." We're just gonna. We're just gonna call it off and go our separate ways. And then the second, the second half is just where I was kind of like, "Are we not over yet? What's going on?" <laughs> you know, I'm okay with longer movies. Yeah. Like Memories of Murder was was a bit on the longer side. Yeah. It was over two hours, I believe. To me, it felt a little bit more like a murder mystery TV show. So to me, it would be yeah. okay if it was on the longer side. If you're like going into a lot of detail and and plot. I definitely have some problems with that movie as well. But my favorite part of the movie was the who done it aspect like let me explain to, like him figuring it out and like let me explain to you how I figured this out and like how it came to this conclusion and yeah. how you did it like But that was all like in the first half, right? Yeah. The second half was kind of I don't know. Well, she was ex- like it was a bit of a mystery. It was like why is this guy dead? She just showed up. And then she, like, explained, like, what happened and stuff. There was a little bit of a mystery, but it was a bit confusing. Right. Let me hit you with a little bit of trivia for Decision to Leave. Mm -hmm. There are multiple octopuses hanging in the background in the scene in the fish market. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, not a whole lot of trivia for this movie. I guess it's too new. Um, It is pretty new. I I guess that's a director trademark. I mean, I know he eats octopus and old boy. Um, oh, that's true. There's some octopus-related stuff in The Handmaiden as well. But, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the only piece <laughs> so of it's trivia. It's like a motif. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't love this movie. I went in with, like, kind of high expectations because I was like, I was like, I've seen other movies by this director that I really liked, and it's it's a new movie. I get to see it in a the theater. This is going to be awesome. I'm probably going to love this. And I just, like, the first half, I was like, all right, all right, not bad. And then it was kind of winding down. Except it wasn't winding down. It was winding up for its second half. And I was like, where are we going here? You know what? I enjoyed it enough as a cinematic experience, just going to the theater and watching something decent that I would recommend it to people that like foreign films and like Korean films. And if they think they like sort of a murder mystery thriller that maybe like not everything's super clear all the time. Sure. Right. Well, I'll say of the five Korean movies that are five. Of the five Korean movies that I've seen so far up to now, this one's easily at the bottom. Mm, I don't know. Of the four that you've seen? Top, bottom, middle? What the heck? Okay. Carrying on. I don't know. A wrapping paper fall over. I think Old Boy is an objectively good film, but it's a harder pill to swallow. Well, yeah. This was a lot easier. That's what makes it so good. (laughs) This was a lot easier of a pill to swallow. Sure. And I don't know if that makes it better. Not necessarily. I don't I don't know how to feel about that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, what would you give what would you give Decision to Leave out of 10 out of 5 however you want to rate it? It was an enjoyable enough experience and the cinematics was beautiful. Like cinematics I, were pretty nice. I I loved the nod to the thing, or at least it was a nod to me where she had like a headlamp on like there was like a shining light at nighttime and she was like on this snowy mountain with the detective guy. Mm. And like, all you could see like was her, the silhouette 
and then the light shining to me that's like the poster of the thing or like the interesting yeah that's pretty cool the one thing that kept occurring to me in that scene was how her headlamp light was shining directly into his eyes almost the entirety of the scene from like six inches away just like right in his eyes i'm like how could you possibly concentrate like how did he not in the middle of that conversation be like excuse me could you just get that out of my face please well he's clearly so mesmerized by her beauty or her aura because he knew that she was a suspect and was like "Mm, i got a crush on her (laughs) like right away basically yeah the so. thing the thing about these movies or about decision to leave specifically is like I get halfway through the movie or more than halfway through the movie and I'm like I'm a little bit lost. I'm not fully understanding everything. And the thought always occurs to me like, well, maybe it's just the language barrier. Maybe it's because, you know, I, I don't understand Korean or I don't understand Korean culture. But then, you know, I have no trouble following old boy, very little trouble following the handmaiden like Parasite was like. No trouble following that. That plot was great. Yeah. So then I look back at Decision to Leave and I'm like, mm, I think it's just, in, in my opinion, it wasn't very tightly written. I'm not saying things need to be flat out explained to the yeah. audience, but I mean, if you're losing me, you're losing me. What well, can I say? I mean, it's hard to compare things to Parasite because I think it's just on a different level. Like in my mind, it's maybe like one of the top 100 films of all time. It's quite that I, good. That I've seen. Anyway. I'd love to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's it just shows the experience that the director has before and that he was able to take like his past experiences from like those movies and then create like a very well done thriller mm-hmm. from that very tightly written. I, I would agree because uh, Memories of Murder was good, but that was like 20, well, 15 ish years before Parasite and Parasite was definitely at least from a filmmaking quality, definitely on another level. Just overall, like, I would throw that on, like, right now, whereas, yeah, I don't know. Like, Memories of Murder, I don't know if I would revisit it. Maybe if, like... I probably would. Well, mm, yeah, I revisited maybe. True Detective, so I see yeah. no issue with revisiting Memories of Murder, considering how much shorter it is. Okay, well, I was enjoying Memories of Murder, but what I didn't like was the ending. And do you feel the same way? Okay. Let's let's talk about that. Spoiler alert for the ending. So we're just talking about spoilers this whole time. It's well, hard yeah, yeah, yeah. hard to talk about these movies without saying spoilers. So <laughs> I w- I was hooked into Memories of Murder pretty fast. I thought I was hooked into Decision to Leave pretty fast, but then it kind of waned. Mm-hmm. Memories of Murder, I was like, ooh, I'm into this. I like the way that this is shot. I like the way that this is presented. Mm-hmm. I like I like, the, the I like the pacing. I'm following it nicely. So with regards to the ending. How would you describe the the sequence of events in the ending, like the way it ends? Like the final scene in yeah. the rice paddy or, field. Or just like just the way that the plot ends. I thought since they were following so strongly sort of a true detective vibe, I was like, ooh, we're jumping to like modern day, like because it was in 86 and we're jumping to 2002 when the movie was released. Like right. Oh, like it took him decades to figure this out, but he's finally gonna catch the guy. And it was like, <laughs> but in the end, he he didn't like he he was reminiscing. He was looking at like where one of the first murders took place, and was right. kind of like, hmm, I wonder. And then the girl comes up to him and was like, 
This guy came up here like a while back and was like, I remembered something I did here. And right. she was like, he just looked plain and normal. Mm-hmm. Like, so, okay. so in the end, the, the murders were unsolved. Yeah. So I think, so I kind of, you said you're curious in my thoughts. So I came out of that being like, well, maybe I missed something. Maybe her saying that he just looked like an ordinary man was was pointing to one of their potential suspects or something. I thought about that too. But then I read the trivia. Okay. And it definitely made me feel a different way about it. Okay. So explain to me your perspective. Long story short, the reason that the murders went unsolved is because it was based on real events where the murders were unsolved. Oh, okay. It's just That's hard. Pretty much it. It's hard for me because I'm a fairly big true crime fan. I'm not like into true crime documentaries so much, but I'm into a lot of true crime podcasts and that kind of stuff. And so to me, like I listen to cases all the time that are like cold cases that it's like, it took us 30 years to figure this out because we use ancestral DNA and stuff like that. And I'm like, ooh, maybe like 20 years later, they're finally going to be able to figure it out based on something. And it's just like, oh, that's too bad. And it's like, that happens. It definitely happens a lot, but it's a lot more satisfying if there's some payoff to all of this. Well, maybe not 20 years later. But it's solved now. But let me hit you with some trivia here. Okay. This is, I, I... Put up some more trivia for this movie because there was less trivia for Decision to Leave. I'm going to kind of like flow through these because they're all connected. So here we go. Director Bon Joon-ho was confident that the killer would watch the film. In the final shot of the film, Park Du-man looks directly into the camera. Park is looking at the audience and he is face to face with the killer killer, if he is watching the scene. So that ending shot is meant to be oh my that character looking the killer directly in the eyes. That is really cool. I know, I right? Didn't, I, that puts everything into perspective, I think. Yeah. So following from that, the real murderer, Lee Chun Jae, sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, was discovered through DNA evidence yes! in September 2019. Wow. He confessed to each of the 10 murders, an additional four murders, and 30 rapes. Oh, no. However, he can't be convicted due to a 15-year statute of limitations in South Korea. I absolutely hate statute of limitations because it needs to be extended for these exact reasons Mm. because we're advancing science where we can look into ancestral DNA and, like, find stuff that we couldn't find before with the really old cold cases, and they shouldn't be able to get away with it. However, he is serving a life sentence for the 1994 murder of his sister-in-law. So it seems he is in jail. Well, at least there's some justice there. Um, Lee Chun Jae confessed to the crimes that the film is based on in 2019. He admitted that he did indeed watch the film. Oh, that's spooky. Saying, I just watched it as a movie. I had no feeling or emotional or emotion towards the movie. Well, of course, he's a serial killer. Like he's not going to have those feelings. In the real life case, four suspects supposedly committed suicide after being falsely accused and tortured by the police over the course of the investigation. In December 2019, eight of the original investigators were arrested and charged with various crimes related to abuse of power, assaulting suspects, falsifying evidence, and illegal detention. Well, that actually makes me feel really good because I hated that part. It was like they wanted so badly to solve this case that they were coercing 
something, and this happened all the time, and it probably still happens now, because as I said, I listen to a lot of true crime cases. Mm -hmm. So what used to happen a lot in the past, I think they're trying to be better about it these days, is police would interrogate people for so long that they would be feeding them evidence. Yeah. And that people would falsely confess, and then the actual murder would roam free. And some people were actually convicted. Because they were just being, like, brutally uh, assaulted, you know, physically or emotionally. So much that they're just like, I want this to be over. I don't want to be tortured anymore. Like, I'll just say anything. And that Mm -hmm. happened all the time. Yeah. Well, there was even a, there was a Minefield episode about that on YouTube with, you know, Vsauce. Mm -hmm. Where he talks about how easy it is to get a false confession out of somebody. even, Even when you're, you're not using any harsh tactics and you're just... You're trying to be their friend and being like, hey, like it's, you know, I I know you didn't do it, but it's in your best interest to sign this saying that you did do it. Like if you if you do yeah. that, it'll make everything better. Yeah, because a lot of times lawyers are like, if you say that you did it, you're going to get a reduced sentence and it'll only be like five years instead of life. Mm-hmm. You know, like they give them all these bargaining deals that they're like, you know what? I might be convicted even though I didn't di- do it. So I might as well just say that I did it. So I get a lesser sentence. Right. Which is tough. And, you know, the legal system is divisive. Like, I don't know what the right thing to do is. And, you know, there's people a lot smarter than me, but it's tough. Like, you know, in some ways it's good that you need a sufficient amount of evidence to convict. Like in a jury case, for instance, you have to be absolutely certain that the person did it to convict. So if there's any reasonable doubt, like in 12 Angry Men, you can't convict them. Great movie. So it's like, you know, that can be great for people that are innocent. So if there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, you know, like the fugitive, where it's like, it looks like he did it, but he didn't actually do it, then, you know, that's good that he's able to go free. But a lot of murderers are able to get off on technicalities because they don't have enough evidence to be able to say for certain that someone did it. So it's very tough. Right. So like innocent until proven guilty, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is actually the case in Japan, but in the in the Phoenix Wright games, it's a total opposite. Like, I mean, you played the first one. It's like basically guilty until proven innocent. Well, in a court of law, sure, but they can't actually convict you of anything. Like, they can say all they want. They can use scare tactics being like, you're guilty, but they couldn't actually, like, convict. In the game, they they weren't sure. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking from the Canadian and American judicial system. I don't know what it is in other countries. Right. Um, What it made me think of with this case in this murderer was, I want to say it was the BTK killer. I could totally be getting killers wrong. There's okay. a bunch of them. But does there... the K stand for killer? <sighs> I think it was something <laughs> sorry. I think it was something to do with the area that he was in. Oh, okay. I, I have no idea. Maybe gotcha. maybe but <laughs> there'd be killer killer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. So this guy was going around killing and assaulting people. And so then eventually they had like a town hall meeting and uh, like the killer was there and he like left a note or something 
afterwards being like I was at the town hall meeting and then like this guy like coerced him being like you can't take me down and then he like took like one of the the council members down and like people like investigators were like scouring like uh the council photos being like oh is there a picture like is the btk killer like in any of these photos Mm. and like it was just weird like oh the killer was among us and stuff so it was kind of like that vibe with the (laughs) memories of murder like you know the murderer could be in this audience with us watching this right now and it was like spooky yeah that's really interesting (laughs) yeah so i know you like like true crime do you generally like murder mystery movies and stories of course i mean you like sherlock (laughs) along those lines Um, at least yeah so i love a good whodunit yeah especially um like i really like psych and i Mm -hmm. i enjoyed knives out I was kind of maybe hoping for a little bit more. But yeah, me too. I, I like I liked the whodunit. I was excited that anyone is still making those anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love a good sort of murder mystery or like even a thriller. I don't like it too gruesome, mm-hmm. which is bizarre, I guess. But like, you know, that's one reason why I listen to true crime podcasts, because if they're talking about something, it's a lot easier to not look at gruesome sure. stuff. Yeah. It still kind of upsets me when you listen to those, especially right before bed, but. I don't listen to it before bed so much. Oh, it's not a bedtime podcast? No, but it is a bath time podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. be like, this killer in the woods, and I'm just like. Scrub it down. down. (laughs) What's your favorite murder mystery film? Mm. I really liked Clue, actually. And Clue is very not grisly and violent but yeah it's a good whodunit especially because the ending and i don't think a murder mystery needs to be grisly i think it's very easy to be like oh this person was murdered and not show the body so much Mm -hmm. like memories of murder showed the victims in some instances and that was a little upsetting it was kind of gross right so your favorite murder mystery movie do you have one Hmm. let me look it up okay sure I'll say I just played a level in uh, Hitman 3, which is normally a game about just like killing people in interesting ways. But this level, you you walk into this old sort of British mansion and the level, depending on what decisions you make to progress the level, can just completely turn the genre of the game on its head into a murder mystery level where you have to go around the entire level and question people and gather evidence. And you can either present a false narrative to the person who hired you of somebody who didn't actually commit it. Or if you're a good enough detective, you figure out who really did it. And then you basically exchange that information for what you're after in the level. And that was super fun and probably my favorite level of that game that I've played so far. Well, okay, so the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe Gone Girl. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's okay. not exactly... It, it is it's a, a, mur- it's a non-murder mystery. That's what makes it interesting, though. Yeah. And that's what... I don't know if it would hold up upon rewatch, and there's definitely some problematic aspects of that movie, but I think it was really thrilling, like, seeing, like, okay, this is how I did it, and, like, the beat to beats of that so that Mm. was that was pretty cool you like a good plan reveal yes i do that's one of my favorite parts yeah you like a good scheme a good plan reveal you like that in better call saul um yeah that's actually one of my favorite parts is the montages of him like figuring out a good scheme totally yeah and that's why i thought you would at least 
partially like Focus with Will Smith and Margot Robbie because there's a there's a a big uh, play that happens uh, in the first like third or so, and after after it's over, they do a big plan reveal. It's like very satisfying, and I thought you would find that really cool. But after the first third, you were like, "Shut it off! I'm done." <laughs> I think I was just so ready to hate it that I just <laughs> was like sitting with my arms crossed kind of thing. Yeah, but pretty much. I No, I think that their scheme was good. And I like sort of the reveal of that. I like, I want to say that Wolf of Wall Street was kind of like this. And yeah, they had some like money sort of. Uh, I absolutely love that. Where it's like, <laughs> here's the plan, guys. Like yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, or, yes. <laughs> yeah. Ocean's Eleven. We should watch the original of that. I've only seen the George Clooney one. I'm interested to do a double feature, the original, and then watch two two similar things that are different. Yeah. We can do that. Watch the original and then watch the new and compare to see how they adapted it. Yeah, yeah. What did we watch recently that was like, oh, The Sting. The Sting was kind of like, Mm -hmm. I can't, you can't say it's the, it's like the original Ocean's Eleven because there's an Ocean's Eleven before that, but it was kind of like the Ocean's Eleven of its time. It was a good scheme movie. That that, that was what, like the seventies or? Yeah, but I think it took place in the twenties. Right. 20s, 30s. Yeah, but like Paul Newman kind of fills that George Clooney role. Definitely. And uh, Robert Redford fills that Brad Brad Pitt Pitt role. role. So yeah. that that was yeah the the sting that was really great and uh, yeah we probably I probably said this exact thing on the last episode of the podcast <laughs> oh, oh I'm well, sure eleven of its day so that's actually some of my favorite things is I love when TV shows are like that when characters are figuring things out mm-hmm. like Psych every episode is like that House uh, Severance he's figuring out like what's going on with the company like I I absolutely that's some of my favorite things is trying to figure it alongside the character and be like hmm I wonder what's gonna happen next is this gonna happen and then having my mind blown is the best part like Veronica Mars being like oh, okay who's the killer this season okay she's investigating this oh I think it's this person it's just I love the reveals and like, oh, this is how I did it. And then they have to run away from the murderer and there's like a big chase and stuff. I liked in Memories of Murder, there was like a sort of a chase sequence. Yeah, well, I was going to say the plan reveal is what we got in Decision to Leave when he was like, okay, so you left... You left your house at this time. That was the best part of the movie. You got to the center and then you climbed out the window or like whatever, right? Yeah, that, that was one of the best parts. And that was what we were missing from Memories of Murder is that we didn't get to figure out all the killer's scheme and, and yeah. how he did it. That's what I'm saying is like in some ways I like True Detective more because we were able to have the satisfaction of figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like one of my favorite parts is being like, oh, I knew it was that person. <laughs> so bef- before we get to the rating, um, we're introducing a new segment to the podcast now. Uh, it's called... Gabe's Grace. <laughs> so uh, this is a new segment where okay. we're gonna we're gonna review our friend Gabe from Carl and Gabe goes go to the movies. Our friend Gabe's letterbox scores on the movies that we're talking about. I've been waiting to do this on a on an episode where he had you know something to say about the actual movies that we've watched. I'm interested that he's watched both of these. Well, he's only watched Decision to Leave. Oh, okay. I had hoped that he'd watched Memories of Murder, but Well, he's someone that likes to watch a lot of new movies and this is a new yes, movie, so that exactly, makes sense. Yeah. So, Gabe watched Decision to Leave November 11th. So a good 
10 or so days ago. He rated it four and a half out of five stars, and he wrote, Just Exquisite, a delicious crime thriller, the most creative editing I've seen this year. Okay, yeah, I, I would say I'm trying to think of other movies I've seen this year, and it is one of the better ones I've seen this year. It was a good movie. Um, delicious. I would say the first half is delicious. The second half, my tummy was grumbling again, and I was kind of uh, wanting to go get some snacks. <laughs> I mean, it was it was refreshing, I think, because I I take in a lot of mystery stuff. Yeah. So it was doing something a bit different than what I've seen before. So for a mystery fan like me, I didn't fully know where it was going all the time. And that was kind of fun. Well, okay. So he mentions, he mentions creative editing. Did any of the editing stick out to you? I know we're like a week or so out, but what uh, stuck out to you editing wise? It was well shot. Well, certainly it, it did sort of the, the usual thing. Like this is how I did it mm-hmm. sort of thing where it's like the voiceover and then it shows like a montage of like that person doing it. I suppose. Yeah. The editing didn't quite stick out so much to me. Uh, I will say I like that it left some things to be unsaid. Like it didn't show every aspect of their relationship and it didn't like it left some things ambiguous in a good way. Like we're, we can kind of assume what certain things were like for them. I suppose. Yeah. I've seen a couple video essays and just like the general thought about editing is that if you don't notice editing, then it's good. Once you start noticing the editing, it's taking you out of the experience. So I, I Gabe, say Gabe said the editing is creative. Maybe the fact that I didn't notice the editing is a good thing. Well, yeah, I would say that's a great thing because hmm. one movie where I could really notice the editing was Moulin Rouge and I thought it was terrible. <laughs> well, most aspects of Moulin Rouge are terrible. Yeah. Including, unfortunately, the acting from Ewan McGregor. God rest no. his soul. But, like, he can do no wrong. <laughs> oh, he, he did some wrong. He, he did a bit of wrong. He was fine. He was fine in it. It's no Big Fish. No, nothing is. You want to watch Big Fish after this and cry? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So creative editing, maybe upon a rewatch, I would notice the creative editing a bit more, but I'm probably not going to rewatch this. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I I think there were some interesting shots, mm-hmm. like they did sort of like close ups of things, but it's like, I don't know. I think when it comes to films, it's like a film can be good if it's like has a good plot, good characters, that kind of stuff and not have good cinematography. But a film can also be good if it has good cinematography and does kind of like interesting, unique things that aren't traditional. That's kind of like what we said probably on the podcast in the past is a good director will do like all the usual things and then maybe throw in a couple weird things to give it a flair and be like oh he's creative he did something weird yeah maybe i'll ping gabe and i'll get him to give a a little bit more of a elaboration on on his time with this movie because four and a half stars is pretty high for as short of a well, review as that. He's probably seen a lot of stinkers this year. So then the, oh, that's true, the yeah. recency bias of being like, this is one of the best movies I've seen this year because I've seen a lot of crappy movies this year. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> we've, Again, we've just watched you know, like The Sting and like, you know, we watch a lot of older movies that are considered classics. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because why waste our time with cruddy stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, so. it's just like the jury's usually out. 
Mm. It's like when a movie gets released, it's hard to know what the initial reaction is going to be. And, you know, sometimes movies are initially panned, but then they become classics going forward. So it's hard to know that when something's new. Yeah. But if you give it some time, it's easy to revisit it. Right. So I would give Decision to Leave, I guess, a six. (laughs) That's pretty low. Out of ten. Not out of five. Yeah, that is pretty low, actually. I I can't even. The only movie, the new movie that I think I remember seeing this year in theaters is I want to say Sonic the Hedgehog. Or was it even this year? Might have been last year. I don't know. In theaters this year? Yeah. Well, I saw Elvis, but you didn't. We saw Moon Age Daydream. Oh. Hmm. Not a narrative, though. I mean, it had a narrative, but not. It's hard to compare that. That's, you know, apples and oranges, really. That that was more of an experience. It wasn't supposed to be like a linear film. I would rewatch Sonic 2 way sooner than I would rewatch Decision to Leave. (laughs) Maybe. Sonic 2 is fun for the whole family. Except Bring your nephews. I mean, the Uptown Funk scene. It's just utter cringe. Well, that's when you go to the bathroom. Sure. Every movie's got to have a perfect bathroom Run break. to McDonald's, get some apple pies, come back. <laughs> if you remember. Add to that list, my friend. Apple pies, couple McDoubles. If you remember, I did that. It was We went to the theater. Oh, with so, Sonic 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sonic 1. Yeah, yeah. I like left part of the way through. and went Right to, at the beginning. And went to McDonald's and got like snacks and like food and stuff. Well, and then came back. It was because we had planned. We were like, okay, we're going to go to the movies. We're going to go to McDonald's first. That's going to be our lunch. We're going to eat the McDonald's in the movies. But then we were like late getting to the movies and we were going to miss it. And I was like, I'm like, we're freaking starving. We need food. We, we skipped lunch. This was going to be our lunch. So we sat down and you very graciously agreed to to run to the Walmart next door into the McDonald's and get some food while I propped my phone up and recorded the part that you missed <laughs> so that you could watch it later. Well, because it's the beginning of the movie. It's all the yeah. setup, right? You don't want to miss that. That's true. I mean, t- to me, it was like a fair sacrifice because while it was, you know, like a fun light movie. McDonald's is delicious. Well, yeah, but also you have been a Sonic fan since you were a kid, so I knew that it meant a lot more to you to watch that movie than it would to me. Yeah, that's true. Also, this podcast brought to you by McDonald's. Um, McDonald's reached out to us and they were like, hey, podcast that has maybe 10 viewers, we would really (laughs) love to sponsor you and get you to mention apple pies and McDoubles. Speaking of McDoubles, you got a hamburger, a cheeseburger (laughs) pizza from Loblaws the other day. Wasn't that good? That tastes just like a McDouble. And it was chonky. It it, was that was chunky. a thick pizza. It was good. Like it it tasted just like it, it was like you had the mustard. Mustard and you yeah, had yeah, like yeah. the pickle taste. And it's like you don't expect that from a pizza. It was awesome. And I actually yeah. I came home with a different pizza that I was like, oh, you gotta try this pizza. And then I tried the pizza that you got, and I was like, oh, this pizza's way better. If you live near Loblaws. Go and see if they have that cheeseburger pizza. Also sponsored by Loblaws. Yeah. Loblaws, thanks for the big bucks. I would definitely take a a sponsorship from either (laughs) in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, if we can get some free McDoubles and cheeseburger pizzas. Free coffee or coffee. (laughs) Oh, I'd like some coffee, please. (laughs) Free iced frappes for a year. Sure. I would do it. Yeah. All right. I think we're pretty clearly going off the rails here. Yeah. yeah anything left unsaid? Uh, memories of murder, eight out of ten. Why not? For you? Yeah. Sure. Um, 
I think I feel better about the ending now that we've discussed it because I was like, what am I supposed to get from this before? Like he was well, hidden in plain sight when it was like, yeah, sort the, of. The thing about that is that it was made in Korea for a Korean audience who probably knew about the murders and probably yeah. knew that it was based on real events. So they probably had a better mm -hmm. understanding of where the story was going. Yeah, it, it would be more like akin to one of the famous killers that we're in aware America. of around here. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to name anyone because I don't want to give any other killers more clout than they have already gotten from countless things. Yeah. Um. To me, the thrill of true crime and mystery is figuring something out and giving justice. Mm. Whereas I think for some people, they get so fascinated by the killer themselves, and that is not me. That's no bueno. No, I. it's more like I, I want to figure out what happened to this person because they deserve it because they're a human being. And, you know, it's interesting to figure out a puzzle. Mm -hmm. Right. So rating? Rating. Did you give it a rating? Uh, decision to leave. I think I just enjoyed going to the movie theaters and not watching something super crappy. Well, so I feel like <laughs> I that know. that's going to backfire because that that to me says like it's not worth watching at home. No, I would watch it at home. I wouldn't. Uh, it was better in a theater. It was a good movie to see in the theater. It's bigger. It's better on the big screen, like the cinematic stuff like of the ocean and you know there's some grandiose shots mm -hmm. again well shot yeah mm, i i think if it had ended more after the first half mm. yeah it was then i think it would have been like a tighter movie mm -hmm. i think there was just too much added to it again nothing wrong with long movies but it should be long for a good reason that yeah, and I, I get what they were trying to do with it, but to me, it maybe felt a little unnecessary. So I'm going to say 7 out of 10 okay. for that. We'll and then on. <laughs> <laughs> Memories of Murder I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. It was hard to take some of that police brutality, though, just like yeah. knowing a lot about like how a case is solved. <laughs> from an investigator's point of view and them just botching it up so much was very frustrating to watch but yeah. it was still very interesting and i mean obviously they were trailing trailing telling a true story mm -hmm. so for that it's understandable why the characters did the things that they did because they were real people yeah and stuff like that did happen all the time and mm -hmm. still happens in some instances unfortunately mm -hmm. so i'm gonna give it an eight right yeah yeah. It's not a perfect movie, but it was enjoyable. And if you like that movie or if you like True Detective, then go watch that movie. Similar vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more Korean movies uh, at some point in the future. Next episode, we might be able to fit in one more international mini marathon, two movie, double feature, extravaganza, maybe <laughs> forever um, before Christmas. And then, uh, which will probably be, you have the French movies downloaded, so probably French. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're looking at Italian and, and Japanese. It's going to be hard for me to pick Japanese movies that aren't anime because I just, I mean, I, we haven't anime. watched anime in a while, but I don't want to, I don't want to default to that. Sure. I want to pick like maybe Akira Kurosawa, one of his films that I haven't seen or something sure. like that. Uh, I'm in, I'm down for anything. Mm -hmm. And then Christmas wise, 
I'm looking at that Kristen Stewart Christmas movie that I can't remember the name of. Happiest season. That we wanted to watch last year that we yeah. didn't. I like those crappier, like Everyone straight does. to not straight. To, you can't call it straight to video anymore, but straight to straight streaming. to streaming. Yeah, like the holiday and uh, yeah, Chris. What, what was the Christmas calendar? Christmas. The Christmas calendar. The I one think. with the photographer. The, yeah, yeah. It was either or maybe it was the holiday. The Christmas, calendar. whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter what it, it was called. Honestly, it really doesn't. I think a lot of the streaming services have figured out that we all love like the cheesy paint by numbers Christmas movie because it's so satisfying. Like, you know, the girl is down on her luck and then she meets like a cute small town guy in a sweater and or a knight from medieval times who came to the future. (laughs) Shout out to the night before Christmas. That was a funny movie. Yeah. Crappy. But funny. And he's like shoving bagels or not bagels, like buns and giant tiger in his mouth. <laughs> was it a giant tiger? It was. You're yeah. kidding me. Well, a lot of Christmas movies are filmed in our area, actually. And right. like the Ottawa area or, you know, Alma. Way Perth. to dox us, Hannah. Jeepers. <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty out there. That we live in the city. Yeah. I mean, you're an Ottawa based photographer. It's no, it's not. Yeah. I have it all over the place that I'm, <laughs> yeah. I live in Ottawa. Yeah. So yeah. Arn Pryor and, and those kind of places I've seen yeah, places shooting before. Because we have all the small town feel mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like country and cute coffee shops and like old streets and stuff that everyone seems to love <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. So looking forward so, to more of those. I also yeah. want to rewatch 8-Bit Christmas this year because mm-hmm. I watched that. We watched that last year and I was like, I, I was like, when I saw it, I said, I feel like this is a movie, a Christmas movie that I could watch every year. Like normally my go-to every year movie is Elf, but I think I've seen it so many times yeah. at this point. I, I think, think I need a break. I think it. I'm ready yeah. to switch it up with uh, 8-Bit Christmas, which mm-hmm. if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like a sneaky remake of a Christmas story. But in the 80s. But in the 80s, yeah. Well, when when does Christmas story take place? Like the 40s? Something like that? Yeah, I think it's around the 40s. Yeah. They don't, I don't think they give a specific date, but Well, like they don't have, I don't think they have TV. No, they 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 sit in front of the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Little Orphan Annie. So it's definitely, it's like a Christmas story for a next generation. And you would, you would think that that would be crap because if you're going to remake a Christmas story, it's, it's going to turn out like crap. But it's not really presenting itself as a remake of a Christmas That's story. That's why it works. Exactly. It's more like the spirit and the idea of a yeah. Christmas story reinterpreted for for a new audience, for a new generation. Well, it's like, what would a kid in the 80s really want for Christmas? Nintendo, baby. Exactly. Easily. I saw the log line and like the poster for that movie. I'm like, ooh, video game Christmas movie? She got Andrew to watch this, and, and I'm glad it. that you yeah. enjoyed it. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching maybe some good Christmas movies, but then also some crappy Christmas movies yeah. while wrapping presents or something. Yeah, I don't think we'll talk about Eight Bit Christmas on the podcast just because we we already watched it last year. But who knows what our Christmas episode yeah. will end up with? I don't think we're gonna do like four. Like, like we did like three or four Halloween episodes because we were so gung-ho about that. I don't think we'll do more than one Christmas episode. Okay. But you never know. So here's the thing is a lot of classic, classic Christmas movies I have seen Hmm. a lot, like a bunch of times. Whereas a lot of the Halloween horror movies, that's a new genre for me. And that's why I was so excited to watch some of the better films of that genre because 
you know, it was something new for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same for me as well. Like I'm relatively new to horror. Some of those classics, quote unquote classics I haven't seen, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still missing a lot from my film knowledge library when it comes to that. But Christmas movies, like that's kind of why we watch some of the crappier ones is because we've already watched all the heavy hitters. Well, We're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel in a good way, though. Yeah. I want to say like last year, the year before you saw It's a Wonderful Life for the first time. Yeah. Because you didn't like Jimmy Stewart, which I no. under I understand, <laughs> but that is a very classic Christmas movie. That movie caters to his Jimmy Stewartness. It's like it's built perfect, around the yeah. fact that he is so Jimmy Stewarty. Yeah, that is a really great movie. It never fails to make me cry. I really liked it, actually. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie. It's one of those movies you can just throw on every year because it's like, oh, he did have a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Let's watch Big Fish and Cry and then yeah. watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I'm like almost cry. crying just talking about it. <laughs> it's okay, Hannah. It's okay. All right. Thanks so much for listening and yeah. catch you in the next one. Bye. Love you. Love you. <laughs>